Hey there, Pierce McCarthy here, and you're very welcome to Foreplay, a podcast for those who have a love of music. The idea behind this podcast is that in each episode, I'll be joined by an artist, be they a singer-songwriter or the main songwriter of a band. I've asked each guest to send me four songs which they have written that are most personal to them. Over the course of the podcast, we will then chat about the inspiration behind the song and the process my guest went through from the song being just an idea or a thought in their head to the finished product, which we will hear on Foreplay. In this episode, I'm joined by the vocalist, main songwriter, I guess main man with the lost gecko. I'm delighted to give a big Foreplay welcome to Malcolm Uckert. Malcolm, how are you doing, bud? All right, man. How are you doing? Very good, very good. You're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Delighted to have you. Thanks, man. And funnily enough, as we were speaking, you are recovering not from an injury on stage, but an injury on the tennis court, of all things. On the tennis court, yes. A back injury <laughs> from playing tennis, which is prevented me from getting to stage. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> are you okay, though? I'm okay. After a week, week of physio rehab and... Year, I'm okay. It was scary though at times too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really scary. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, being immobile and um, just not being even able to sit up and play guitar or anything like that. It's just yeah, it's quite, it's quite. Um, what's the word? What's the word? Disempowering. Yeah. So I understand, you know, when people are just laid up and immobile and can't do things for themselves, how how how, how incredibly awful that is feels inside, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it uh, gives you the appreciation afterwards, I think, though, you know. Yeah, no more tennis for a while, just stick to the guitaring for a little bit more. That's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, I guess, a uh, part I played in it, too, is uh, you're a very physical guy. You know, you live on a farm and you work on a farm and that's, that's that can be tough going as well. Yeah, it's good. It's hard work. I mean, um, working on the farm is, yeah, it's, a, it's hard, but it's, it's great as well, you know. Yeah, just being out in the country and around the animal, the animals, and especially during the pandemic. Yeah, and like I, c- I couldn't imagine that all the people that have been stuck in the cities and you know on the lockdown. That must have been Jesus. Like that must have played some havoc with the mind, you know. Yeah. Do you find it good for your mind as a songwriter to be in you know a rural kind of setting? Absolutely, space, loads of space, and like physical space helps your mental space, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, and when we went, we played in Finland, and like all these, all the houses they have are just built on the kind of idea of lots of space, you know. And like Finland's full of space, obviously, but it's that thing. It's that you know, if you're in a physical enclosed, it kind of does the same to your mind, I think, to some extent. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love the space. Absolutely love it. Nina Lane, and we go walking long, long walks, and it clears your head, and then you come back, and then you're fine, and yeah. Yeah, I remember actually you telling me one time when you were playing one of those gigs in Finland, was it that the backdrop view was just the most magical thing of this fjord or something in the background? And oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, like um, what was that now? That was in, that was in one of the towns, but the but the whole the, the town was so small it was just like you could see the whole yeah the whole countryside and the, the lakes and just, yeah, wow. that's pretty. So when you're standing up there and you're playing music and the people that you've never met or from around the world, I think that's 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 pretty incredible. Like there's no that's the biggest buzz. So um yeah, hopefully we'll get back to that at some point. Yeah. And it will. Yeah. That will all come yeah, around. Yeah, it will. Yeah, yeah. 
Again, I welcome you to the podcast and I've explained at the start what the whole idea behind the podcast is. But yeah. maybe for some people out there that are listening who may not know a whole lot about The Last Gecko, and I'm sure there's lots out there listening that will. You've been the constant from day one. When did Lost Gecko initially form, Malcolm? Well, when we were talking, I was thinking about this. And I always say 2006 in Aberdeen in Scotland, but that's not true because I was playing... Like I was in a metal band in 97 when I was at Stirling University and then I was playing in bands in St Andrews in Scotland before that as well. Mm. And I started playing guitar when I was about 15, 16. So like, you know, 15, 16, well, I was like 91, 1990, 91. So that's almost 30 years now, I think. 49 years. So... <laughs> I think when I, I think when I I think when I say when I say like um, 2006, I'm just kind of trying to do myself a favor and go. Nah, it's never it's never 30 years. No way, man. You're not you're not saying that. Yeah. So like it is because like I think once you start learning guitar, you start picking up skills. Yeah. And what was the want. reason why Malcolm took up guitar in the first place? What was the influence for you? Why did I take up guitar? Because I moved schools. Where I was at school. I was at school in Aberdeenshire and then I moved schools to um, St Andrews because my dad got a new job in Dundee. So we moved to St Andrews because we didn't fancy moving to Dundee. Nothing wrong with Dundee. But <laughs> 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 we fancy St Andrews. St Andrews is a lovely, amazing place. And that's where I started. Yeah, that's where I started the tennis a bit more seriously, actually. But um, St Andrews had a the school there, Madras College, had a great um, music department. Okay. Um, and I'd never come across that before, and I'd always played piano, so I used to come back from the cinema and stuff and play the theme tunes on the piano, and then mum got me lessons, and yeah, I suppose it started there, really, before the guitar, and then, yeah, there was guitar lessons in school, and the new, new school that I started, there was a music music department that had guitar lessons, so I started there, and then my best mate, he started playing, um, and then he taught me everything he knew, Um that was amazing. So, okay. yeah, started then, really. And were you always into singing? Mm, no. <laughs> no. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I was, I got to a point, I was playing all, learning all Steve Vai and Seth Rani and um, Jimi Hendrix and um, Metallica and Pantera and all that stuff because just I love the sound of that stuff. Mm. Um, first time I heard Cowboys from Al Pantera, I was just like, oh my God, why is that? I just wanted to make that noise on guitar, so. No, I was I was I was big in the electric for years before I started singing, and then I heard "Sad but True" by Metallica, and I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" And then the singing part I, that came in when I heard Pearl Jam first time, mm. for the first time I heard it was, it was alive, and then obviously I heard the whole album and just gave me absolute goosebumps the whole thing, and I was like, "Whoa, who is that man?" And yeah, just that, the effect that Feather's voice did gave me. I just like I want to, I want to be able to sing like that as every kid does. They turn and follow. They try and create sound. So yeah, I, I practice and practice and and then there was one open mic night in Stirling University. It was my first year, and it was like maybe it was coming towards the end of term, and we'd be going to the open mic nights every Sunday in Maisie's. It was called at the time. And then um, all, the, all the crowd was about 10 of us sitting in the back. And then Big Jimmy was called. He used to run the open mic. He just came up to the mic and said, there's one open spot left at the end if anyone wants it. 
and uh, all my friends were just pointing pointing their fingers down at me. Um, and then he he picked me up and said, "Okay, there you go. You, you're getting the spot." So I got the spot, um, and I played I played black, um, nice. down black, and people were just you know just clapping so loud and cheering. I was like, "Wow, that's a, what a buzz! That's amazing." Yeah, there was there was some great bands on 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 campus at the time, and then there was these three guys who played just incredible metal, and they had another guy, and then they heard me sing, and then um, yeah, they approached me and asked if I wanted to be in their band, and that was the four of us, and it was like it was it was it was kind of melodic and then heavy and melodic, and then we won the battle of the bands and the on campus that year, and then we got to headline King Tut's in Scotland. Or in Glasgow, um, so like three buses full of students and bands, and <laughs> we went through to King Tut's, and it was mental, absolutely mental. Um, on the buses, mental. The the whole thing was crazy, but brilliant. And then we headlined it, and yeah, it's all a blur, really. And then that night, I was wearing these tartan Doc Martens, and um, so Kurt Cobain had obviously played in King Tut's, and the Oasis got signed there, and. Um, so I kept these Doug Martins for like years afterwards because they'd been on the same stage as these guys in Skunk and Anthony as well. And it's just yeah. like, ah. So yeah, it started back then really. It didn't, <laughs> you know, it didn't start in 2006 officially. It started, you know. So yeah. Every time I say that, I'm kind of block. I'm, 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 I'm setting aside a whole block of 10 to 15 years that created what I'd done up until that point, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And of course, then of course you went on to develop your own style, which I suppose the Lost Gecko are kind of known for. Yeah, yeah, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to think we have got a style now. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, like in two thousand six, I recorded an EP in Aberdeen. Like I had all these songs I wanted to record, and I had a band. We had a band for about a year, and then just never. I, I kept going. Let's go and record, and it just never happened. So I just I went off and did it on my own with my guitar and my vocal. I kind of knew I wanted kind of strings over it somehow. Mm. And so I went off and did that, about eight or nine songs. But, um, yeah, I was in Kenya, not, I volunteered in Kenya not, not long before that. And it kind of precipitated me just going, coming back and going, well, like, I have the means, I can work for like two, three weeks and you have the money to go and record these songs and these guys will never get near a studio or anything like it, you know? Mm. Um and I've got all these opportunities I'm able to fly back to. It's just, you know, there's no excuse. And I kind of have a duty to do it. And that kind of drove me, still drives me today, really, you know. Which brings us to the first song that you've chosen for this episode of Foreplay. It's The yeah. Smell of, it's an amazing title, right? The Smell <laughs> of Pine Gives Me Goosebumps. Yeah. So when and where did you write that song, Malcolm? I wrote that walk in, well, I wrote it, I suppose... Let's see. The title came later, I think, but the that that melody I think just really hooked it's got I think it's just kinda of really lovely melody in the song and so I got the melody of the kind of chorusy bit first. And then once I get something like that, I kinda of, it's almost like reverse engineering, just work backwards and then come up with a really like if the if the chorus is gonna be that good then the verse has to be just as good. Yeah. So just make sure the verse is really good and there's a great melody so that, you know, that both of them are great, not just the kind of average verse and a brilliant chorus or, you know, vice versa. So came up with that melody there that you'll hear in a minute. And that line just kept coming into my head. Oh, Lord, this has come to nothing. 
Oh Lord, what have we become? And also, just everything that's going on, what's going on is is still going on with the Black Lives Matter, and yeah. all the violence, and towards the you know people of color and stuff, and just horrendous, and it's been going on for years. And, yeah, it's it's the mo- uh, it's the most recent song that you've written, is it, Malcolm? It is, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, the most recent one we're releasing, yeah, yeah. It'll actually be out over two weeks by the time this comes out. So cool. And and there's a line actually that struck me in the second verse mm-hmm. of the song. I still hear them and I will not leave. And you say yeah, this exactly. real defiant kind of tone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all these protesters, and you know, and especially like like it's happening right now in Belarus, isn't it? The the threat of violence and like proper threat, not just a, not just a perceived threat, and not just what we see in the news. It's when those cameras are switched off, they're in proper danger, you know. Mm. Um, just the, the, the strength to be able to do that, you know. Yeah, and it's kind of strange that the song is about that because the title would give off a different thing, wouldn't it? I mean, everybody loves that smell of pine. <laughs> yeah. No, but they do. There, there's something, yeah. you know, beautiful in nature and back to its basics with that kind of smell. Well, it's like, it represents freedom, doesn't it? You know, mm. um, being in nature and being out in the grass and the green and being able to walk about freely and being able to do what we want when we want it's just such a privilege for this side of the world, you know. Like, it's not that we take it for granted, but if you if you don't know any different, it's just normality, isn't it? But mm. for so many parts of the world, like millions and millions of people, that just don't have that. And you know, it's just. I think that's why traveling is so important, and I'm so happy I have traveled, especially now. Like, what's going on? I've done so much traveling, and I've seen other parts of the world, and what they what they go through every day, and. The next song after that, actually, our next release is for um, Michaela Africa, Hopefully You Seek You. Okay. Um, of all the places that you've travelled to, Malcolm, which is the one that has left the biggest mark on your life? Oh, it has to be Kenya, you know. Um, I was only there for a month and I was volunteering with orphans that had um, lost their parents to HIV and, you know, we passed, we were coming through the street and on the first day we arrived at the airport and on the right hand side, there's just coffins piled up, piled up outside the mortuary, and from from people who had died in, in the, that previous week of AIDS, you know. Mm. And all these kids running about, and they're so happy and enjoying, and there's rubbish everywhere and pollution everywhere, and and just yeah, and these kids, all they want to do is go to school. A lot of them just want to go to school, and they didn't have the money, and you know, so it's such a little amount of money that they needed to get schooling and. So yeah, as soon as I came back, I did charity gig after charity gig in Aberdeen, you know, yeah, um, just to try and raise some money. And you go, I'm go back to, you know, predominantly white Scotland, doing a charity gig for these guys in Kenya. Like, well, why would you want to do that? You know, I was like trying to explain it to people was very difficult. And the culture shock when I got back was just—I remember just walking to Tesco and just, you know, it was just like, wow, it's just like overload of color and choice and like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll never forget that. And it's yeah. true what they say that I think it's either ninety-two percent or ninety-six percent of the world would love to have our problems. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, we have nothing to complain about. Like I know this is really bad. What's going on? It's not. There's a lot of people suffering for it. But you know, imagine being in complete and utter poverty and having nothing, and also having this on top of it. Like, curse the lightning. Okay, so we'll take a listen to the first song then. The Smell of Pine Gives Me Goosebumps by the Los Gecko on Foreplay.
Walking down wholesale See shadows dancing Take no notice My fear recedes Reach out to touch them
Smell of Pine gives me goosebumps, as does that song. You're listening to the Foreplay Music Podcast with Pierce McCarthy. I'm delighted to be joined by Malcolm Uckert from The Lost Gecko. When you listen back to your songs, when you hear a song being played like that, Malcolm, one of your own songs, what's it like? I feel really proud every time because I, I, just the amount, amount of work we put in and John Burke in the studio just puts just a tremendous amount of hours in for us mm. every time and the guys that do the videos for us have always put in incredible work as well Patty O'Shea uh, Jessica did that one and Mark Corrigan did a, all the animations just they're just it's just like it feels like a little bit of a support network you know when mm. we've got something when we've got something new you know and like I always send it to John first in devil form and just to see what he see what he thinks of it and like he'll tell me straight away if it's good or not not that I don't trust myself but just he can he can hear stuff that I can't hear and like lots of people have that as well you know you can other people you bring other other people in and like for the video ideas as well Jessica just came up with that and I was like wow that's incredible you know mm. it wouldn't have even dawned on me to do that with it but you know yeah I've had a sneak but, peek of the video and I have to say it is amazing thanks man yeah yeah incredible <laughs> One of the lines that actually jumps out at me at that song is, I see the whisper, but I can't see straight. You know, beautiful line. Mm. Why does that jump out at you? How can you see a whisper, but you can? Okay. You know, mm. you know that kind of way that, I, I guess as a songwriter, that's what I like about you, the, the way that you word things, you know. Mm. You're meant to hear a whisper, but no, you can also see them. You can see the going on. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And and the one thing that I kind of like, and it's something that's happened with you recently, I mean, a- anybody who would know Las Gecko would know your style of voice. I'm, I'm not going to compare you to Eddie Vedder, but that kind of rough, uh, husky kind of you know, tone to your voice. But you've started doing an awful lot of falsetto over the last couple of years as well. Mm, I did, yeah. Why did you go down that path? It happened in Finland, really. And then I suppose with that part of the world, Scandinavia and Listening to Sigur Ross a lot, and then Talasaw was the first one we did really like that. Um, Elaine came up with the cello, and we went for a walk in the forest and the history of the area. I didn't really know at the time, but we came back, and then we found out that night when we played the gig the history of the area, and it was like it, it was about refugees, and they'd been kicked out by Russia. Two hundred fifty thousand of them had been kicked out of Finland by Russia, and it was called the Winter War, nineteen forty-one. And so, yeah, I came up with this song and then after walking around the area and I was like, I'm not really sure why that came out there and why it came out like it did before we knew anything about it, you know? And then, so we kind of, I wrote the words around that really. Um, And would you be the kind of guy as a songwriter, could you just be, we say, working on the farm and suddenly start singing a new, new tunes, new melodies? Is that your kind of style? Elaine, that happens to Elaine a lot, and she'll she'll like have she'll dream about stuff, and then she'll wake up, and then she'll play on her cello, and she's got a new song. Wow! Um, but yeah, I used to do that. I used to get stuff in my head, and then I put it into music, and then I did it once actually, one um, probably one of the first times, and then I came up with it. And I was like, that's amazing! Wow! And then I brought it to all the buddies, and what do you think of this? And they're like, that's freaking Coldplay, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. So, um, but yeah, that used to happen all the time. I get songs, songs or little melodies in my head, and I'd, but I, I think I just, yeah, you know, over the years I just sit down with the guitar now and 
if I spend maybe about an hour just messing, something will something will happen. You know, yeah. it tends to it tends to happen quite quickly if it does happen. You know, and yourself and Elaine, you would collaborate an awful lot now. You know, there's a very special connection between you, but I mm-hmm. think that comes across in the songs as well. Yeah, it does yeah, kind of definitely on the same wavelength with the music. You know, mm. um, she'll explore something that I wouldn't have thought to even carry on with and then or she'll say you know we'll, we'll, we'll work on something together and, or she'll come up with a cello bit and I'll do a you know I'll do a melody over the top and, yeah. and are you very open as a songwriter to that you know we say it might be something that you are going nah but if you're pushed and you, you to, to explore it was that a challenge for you at one time or is it something that you've always kind of been open to I think the more work the more work with John in Claycastle because he's done stuff with the songs that you know I wouldn't have I wouldn't have dreamed up at all. At all. Mm. And I suppose since Hoyta, we started doing it more in Hoyta, um, and I just said to him, just go and do what you want. Seesaw was in 2016 was the first time we did that, and Bobby Lee was working on it, and we were talking about it, and it just didn't sound the way we wanted it to sound. Mm. Bobby and John were just they're, they're just like we just let us go at the songs, and they just wanted the freedom to go and work on them and see what they come up with and I was like yeah definitely and, they, and what they came back was just it was amazing what Bobby and John did together so since that yeah and then Hoyta we did the same I said John I said to John he's working with Tony Kiley guitarist and I you know I think once you give people freedom to just do what they want it's like it opens so many doors mm. even if it is your own work you know because yeah. like even if you don't like it you can still go back to the start and you know yeah but um so like, but every time John sends me something, it's funny. Like, I'll say immediately, I'll say, I'll text him immediately, straight off. Nah, I don't like that one. And then like within a day or two, I'm like, that is absolutely amazing. So it happens every time. So every time I get a tune from him back, I just go right, okay, I'm gonna listen to this a couple of days. <laughs> no, um, Hoita is the next song that you've picked. What's Hoita mean, Malcolm? Hoita is Finnish for to take care of. Okay. Yeah. When did you write that? I wrote that in Finland as well, yeah. Um, was it the same time as Talvasar? No, I think it was the second time I went to Finland. Yeah, it was the second time because John was with us. We were just I, was just, I was just sitting on the porch and I think we had a gig that night in one of the pubs and it was, it was really exciting. And then I just sat there and we are just, you know, sitting on the beautiful porch. It was midsummer, midsummer festival time in Finland, which is just a gorgeous time. And we're staying with um, Terry and Petri in this beautiful house in, in the middle of the woods. And we've got a swimming pool and everything and just beautiful, lovely atmosphere. Yeah, I'm just sitting on the porch and I just started doing that. And then John came in and started doing this beat on the drums. And yeah, and that was it, really. And then Liam was doing the view. I suppose they never would have expected that you were in such a happy kind of serene setting when you wrote the song because ultimately the video, you know, yeah. it's it's about looking after people and, you know, yeah. mental health issues and homelessness and all the kind of stuff that yeah, goes yeah. with that. Yeah. So how did you connect those two together from such a beautiful setting to, you know, what the video kind of represents of the song as well? I suppose because you can have a beautiful setting, beautiful place, beautiful house, beautiful you know, beautiful things around you and still be won't be unhappiest person in the world, you know. Um and then and then having friends die from 
taking their own lives as well. And, you know, just, just really, really sad. And I've always, mm. I've always wanted to write something about it, but I didn't know how to do it. And I think music is such a special way to put things across that sometimes you just don't need words. Yeah. And that's the I thing don't. is, it's, an, it's more, it's in the main, it's an instrumental song. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't ever going to feel like that. Like it, it didn't really, didn't really occur to me to do that until, like, I heard the first when the when when we started working on the studio and John was sending me tracks and I was going, like, that doesn't need any words. That just needs the video. Yeah, and what always always struck me about that song, Malcolm, especially the opening, it yeah. it, it, it reminds me kind of a, like this tormented mind screaming out. And then yeah. there's this beautiful acoustic guitar accompanying it. And it also, it kind of reflects to me, I suppose, how a person can a- appear normal, but their mind is tormented. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, that's, the whole, that's the whole thing. And you don't yeah. need no words to get that feeling across. I mean, when I, when I heard it, that's the emotion that I got from the song, and it's how I felt yeah. listening to it. Yeah, the, the sad, the, the, the star of it makes me feel really sad. You know, really sad. It's just like, you know, it feels feels really... Quite, quite sad. Yeah, sad opening. And there's, a, and there's, do you know, do you know what I struck, what, what, what I found as well about this song, and the listeners will get to hear it now in a minute. But there's a very kind of AOR feel to it. AOR. Yeah, and you know, AOR kind of rush. Yes, okay. that kind of a vibe to it. You oh, know, cool. uh, porcupine tree. That kind of a. I love it. Yeah, I uh, for me anyway because I'd be a massive fan of AOR. Uh, mm. Adult orientated rock in its full title, but it, <laughs> <laughs> but there's just it. It just seems like Los Gecko has gone to you know music is ever changing and there are no rules I suppose. But you know between the first song and this song, to me they both you know seems to be a big change. Yeah, like yeah. So it's just so important to do that, though, isn't it? Um, mm. Like. I think every song now it, it has to be different in some way, even if it's the guitar chaining or if it's the sound of the guitar or whatever it is how I'm singing or the melody. Or um, I just really need to find like a different, a, a new thing every time. I mean, I, I know you don't have to do that, and, but just to keep it just keeps my interest. Like you know. Yeah. Are you um, your biggest I, critic? My biggest critic. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Oh, that cellist, he's 91. What did he say? He said, um, somebody, he was like a world-class cellist and he was asked, why Why do you still keep practicing? And he said, because I think I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's it. You're never done, you know what I mean? No. You're never done. Like even, like every song we do, I don't think that's the best song I'm ever going to do. Like, I mean, that's like, how are we going to do any better than that? Like I can't. But then it's done. It's over. It's past. And then, you know, you're onto the onto the next one. And, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. so we'll hear the second song now. You've chosen. This is Hoyter, and that means to take care of.
just like that. Song mm-hmm. ends. It's a very abrupt ending, but I sometimes think when, when, when I listen to that song, and I listen to that song quite a lot, you know when you're going through a little bit of torment, and then suddenly, mm-hmm. when the rug suddenly gets pulled out from under you, you know that kind of echo feeling of silence? Yeah. Is that what was yeah. meant? It was, I suppose it's just like, just because somebody survived something doesn't mean to say everything's okay. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's kind of just meant to left, to be left hanging kind of thing. Mm. It's like, you know, things don't just, it's not like a problem can be solved. All problems can be solved just like that, you know. It's just like, you know, there's not always solutions for things. And it's a long, a lot of things are, like a lot, it's a long process to be, I suppose, like recovering addicts or whatever, you know, it's like, it's a long process. You're not just, you're not just one day recovered, you know. Mm. Um, so it's just the same as, same as mental health, isn't it? It's, just, yeah. it's a process. It's not something that can just be fixed on, on a particular day or, yeah. yeah. That's so, so true. That's so true. And actually when the, the video has to be the fittest guy in Cork in that video because he's literally running everywhere. <laughs> but when you were uh, filming the video, didn't somebody think that the actor that was in it was actually a guy trying to die by suicide. Yeah, they called the guards and everything. Yeah, neighbors. Yeah, um, up around St. Luke's, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'd seen it, I would have thought the same. Yeah, but yeah, they had to be explained. And also, when he dropped the, the when they, when the drums kick in, he drops his briefcase on the bridge. So there's people sitting there, and um, yeah, they thought there was a bomb or something, so they freaked out as well. Oh God! Um, so yeah, that was that was the story behind that video. And Dave, yeah, Dave did a great job. He, he loves his five side football, so it was good. Yeah, mind you, I'd say he didn't play for a week or two after the video. So. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job, though. Like he, yeah. he just looked his face as well. It's just not just the running; his just face is just kind of dead, isn't it? It's just like yeah. dead face. And you know what? You know what? You know what? I always think is a testament of a really, really good song. I mean, that song is over seven minutes long. And if you say that to somebody, they kind of look and go, I, can't, I don't have the time. And that's the problem, yeah. I think, with the world today. People don't oh, have the time. Yeah. But it's the quickest seven minutes. Okay, cool. That's good to hear. You know, I always, I always get lost in that song. And when I close really? my eyes, and especially the kind of, the bit where everything, before it builds to that crescendo at the end where it just suddenly stops. I love to listen to music with my eyes closed. But it all, almost feels like, and my eyes are closed here now as I'm talking to you, but it almost feels like I'm floating above the clouds. I'm flying. Right. I'm on a journey of some right. form. You know. Right. That's the whole point, isn't it? Um, for the you know for the flow of the song, it feels like it's just a train. You know. Yeah. Um, and then you know that's where the once it came, once that beat was kicking in, we're like that. Just like my my thought was just that just has to be somebody running. Doesn't matter what they're doing. It's just what's happening. It just has to be somebody running and. And Paddy came up with the whole concept. So. Yeah. Now, your third song that you picked, one mm-hmm. I always mess up the title of, right? But I'm not mm-hmm. going to this time. Unphotographable. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Thank you, young man. Do you know the meaning? No, tell me. And when was it written, first of all? Because you, you've kind of chosen them in from newest to, to older. So this is an older one. Yeah. So recorded in 2016. So recorded, probably written in 2015. Okay. Um, and it was oh that's rubbish 2012 <laughs> um, it was released in 2016 okay. <laughs> we recorded in 2012 because it took us took us that long to get to to get to release them all and it was the first song that I brought to John and, and in the studio 
um, first time I met him, and he, he he let all his friends listen to it, and Bobby and everyone in y'all, and everyone's just so blown away. Like I heard the story afterwards, and they were just so impressed, and it was like wow. And that was my first kind of. That was the first time I kind of went into studio in Cork, really. Okay. Yeah. So um, unphotographable means things which cannot be captured on a camera. Okay. For you, such as? For me, I suppose things that we feel, but we can't put our finger on what, what it is. You know, we can't actually describe it in words. Okay. That kind of thing. I was, I was talking to my dad the other day, actually, more about this. Is like He said, you know, we're talking about music and musicians he loves. And, and I was like, well, how do they make you feel? Um and he, he was talking about Andrea Vitelli and it makes him feel like this, mm-hmm. uplifted, uplifted. And I was like, okay, so put a, you know, you can't capture that feeling. You can't, you know, it's just a word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's an emotion. Exactly. And you can't, and you can't take a picture of an emotion. You can no. only feel it. But isn't yeah. that the beauty of music? You know, it is, absolutely. It, like it doesn't matter who you are, you know, what class, if there's a class system in the country you live in, what country you're from, what language you speak. Mm. Music is universal and it's international. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I really dislike the way people try and assign words to things because <laughs> it makes them feel safer or it makes them, you know, it, it makes them feel like they, they could need to put things in the right place. You know, they have to assign a word to something. Yeah. It's like, you know, you don't have to assign a word to all this stuff that you feel inside that makes you feel this whatever it is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't need a definition. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is what it is. You know. And because I guess if you put a word on it, aren't you putting boundaries on a feeling and an emotion? And there's yeah, not meant exactly. to be boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Will we listen to it? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Here's unphotographable. Mindless struggles bring us all down to our knees, but we're waiting. We're waiting for some Recollection doesn't need a place to breathe Let it go now The dream sets you free Involuntary masquerading as a saint But the city the city stays still And we fall down Our heads bowed recalling our days And nature frowns And reach out to protect the rays There is no doubt And doubtless we'll reap what we sow that are hidden away Pressed against the shore He watches his own tears And his footprints Dissolve in his hand The bright blue candle Tells his story to the dust But it's fading It's fading to gray Clean 
doubtless will reap what we sow. So please don't drown in places that are hidden away. Play a music podcast with myself, Pierce McCarthy. I'm delighted to be joined in this episode with Malcolm Uckert from Lost Gecko. Do you know what the line that keeps coming to me from that song that just played, Malcolm? And nature frowns and reach out to protect the rains. And I think as a species, we're really ruining nature. You know, yeah, I don't see lions and tigers and bears doing what we're doing, you know? Yeah, relentless, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, it, I suppose it all comes down to the amount of people that are working to protect it and the amount of people that are working to destroy it, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And maybe if those people felt emotion a little bit more than trying to photograph it, maybe the world yeah. would be in a better place. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, if I think too much about, like, if I overthink all that stuff, I just get really depressed. So, yeah. Um, and then I'm going, right, what can I do? What can I do to do something about this? And it all comes back to writing music and um, bringing attention to all this stuff, isn't it? And, yeah. like, I mean, there's loads of people doing it, but it's just so important to yeah. keep the attention on all this stuff. And I think that's what that's our duty, isn't it, as songwriters, musicians and artists. and to, to bring attention to these things that are going on, not just writing songs about uh, meeting a girl in the pub and all that crap, you know. Yeah, there's a I lot more. There's a lot more important stuff, things huh? to talk about. Uh, oh yeah, I think yeah, songwriters and singers and bands and musicians, you're communicators, really. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's a serious soapbox to be able to stand on. It's responsibility, then, isn't it? You know, yes. people really people really start listening to your stuff properly and in depth and. Yeah. Taking it apart and 
you know, which which if you decide to put it out there in the proper way, then you have to take responsibility for what you're talking about. And, um, you know, you have to be able to, you know, you argue, you have to argue what you're talking about. Basically, if you, you know, you, you know, if you really believe it, then you have to, you have to stand there and believe it and believe that, you know, what's, what's the word I'm trying to say? I'm trying to think of a word. Stand in your ground or... Yeah. Fight in your corner. That's it, yeah. And, you know, you know, a song's a, a song's a song, a lovely song, but it has to, I think it just has to have some purpose and some meaning as well, you know? Yeah. And, and what I always love about a songwriter and a songwriter such as yourself because I mean I know you now quite a few years right and we're we're, we're good friends mm, and, yeah. and I would always see you as a you're, you're kind of like a private guy but when you write a song you're really putting yourself out there yeah absolutely I mean I was told how brave it was at the start you know like take some guts just to do that but um, when you get back you know I think once again coming back to being in Kenya I think when I came back after that, I was like, you know, I never had any kind of nerves about playing anywhere after that, you know, about getting on stage playing in front of people just because it was just such a privilege and opportunity that, you know, nerves didn't didn't come into anymore. It's just get there and do it because you're so lucky to have the opportunity, you know. Yeah. So lucky, one, to have a guitar, two, to be able to go to the studio and record songs, three, to have all these great people around me making them what they are and, and people like you as well supporting me, you know. I mean, it's really special stuff there and mm. you know there's not you know not everyone has that so yeah that's true that's you know? true and because for you I mean playing a gig is something which you haven't done in a while but you know listen it'll come again but it's yeah, it's yeah. more it's more than just getting up on a stage and playing there's a whole social community thing for you with this isn't there oh absolutely yeah God it's like it starts it starts the moment you arrive with all the instruments and having pints and having the cracking and like I always say, the music's just a bonus after that because you know yeah. it's such a great atmosphere, and then you get to play in front, or you get to play for people, and there's people there that want to hear you play. I mean, that I think that's just the ultimate, ultimate kind of special, really. You know, does do you, do you ever pinch yourself sometimes and think, geez, you know, you, you go to a gig and there's people that are there to see you and to listen to the songs that you've helped create, you know, songs that mean something to you. Well, like that's, I mean, doing that's only happened kind of recently. I know we played that in 2016, that EP launch, but like I've only like maybe recently got more comfortable playing our our own stuff because people just keep asking for it. And I was like, that's incredible. Mm. But like when we started playing, I remember in the Mitchell's time, it's like maybe, wait, where are we now? 2020, so maybe 2013, 2014, and we started playing gigs. Like I had trouble playing, I had trouble taking money. You know, getting paid, I had trouble t- taking money because it was such great crack. Yeah, I was like, well, I can't get paid this much for doing that, and and then, but I suppose as you go along, you realize, you know, it's quite a lot of work. Yeah, um, playing two and a half, three hours, and um, you know, it does take out of you. I mean, the next day after a gig, I'm fine flattened. You know, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how these guys do the tours and stuff because I'm just flat. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I just got a really strange feeling the day after. Like, um, so I must be, you know, I must be putting everything into it if that's happening, you know. And when you say um, you're flattened, is that emotionally and physically yeah, or both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I've had pints, it's worse. You know? <laughs> obviously, obviously. Well, pints always but, makes things worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, but that, but that emotional thing, yeah, it happens every. 
mainly, mainly with the um, original gigs because mm. like it's all your it's all your own stuff and you you know absolutely putting your heart and soul into it. Mm. Because um, I suppose sometimes if you're at a gig, it could be the first time somebody has seen you. Yeah, and you have to bear that in mind every time, every single time. Like I mean, I was I think I treat I'm pretty sure I treat every single gig like it's our last and. Mm. Like every single gig, so exciting, you know. Like getting ready, just the preparation for all the musicians probably testified to. Even even like if it was a Friday or Saturday, that day for me is like the whole day is in my head. I'm getting ready for the gig, you know. Like more from the moment I wake up, you know. You're in the zone. <laughs> Sounds crazy, yeah, yeah. But I'm just getting psyching myself up to going. You know, if I had a gig before and it was amazing, I'm like, oh, God, is it going to be as good, or are we are we going to be as good, or are we as good as they say they think we are, or you know, mm. or you get people that are in the pub waiting for us, going, oh, we've heard we've heard about you, that's why we're here, and I'm going, oh God, pressure's on, K. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, a few songs in, they're like, wow, and I'm like, oh, phew. yeah. So you know, yeah. those those moments that. I, I can count every single time we play a gig. I can count at least one special. Somebody says something, one thing special to me at the end of the night. That mm. just you know, that just just blows me away, and then you know, yeah. validates what we're doing. Really, you know? yeah. I I mean, I love to 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 see you guys play, and I remember you just alluded to it there. Your EP launch in 2016 in Collins. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I always remember uh, turning to a guy that night in there, and I said to him. This is going to be one of these I wish you were there moments. <laughs> you know, because it was such was night, a special, yeah. special gig in this tiny room and everybody was into it. But everybody yeah. that was there was there to see you guys. Yeah, it was great. And Jamie on the drums. Yeah, yeah that's right. He's, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, ev- and I mean, every gig that I go to with you guys... I'm always blown away. I'm always surprised. I'm always walking away with this kind of smile on my face that, you yeah. know, the the feeling I, I've got now, it's, it's, it's unphotographable. You know, I've, mm. I've, I've got that emotion. I've got that feeling, you know, and long may I continue yeah. and I can't wait till the day that we meet in some venue again. Yes, man. Gonna <laughs> yeah. And it will happen, you know, yeah. it will happen. Mm. Now it brings me to the final song, God's final Waiting song. Room. God's Waiting Room. When did you write that? I wrote that in 2000, I think it was 2007 or 2008. So this um, is the oldest of the four songs that you've picked tonight. And why did you pick this yeah. one? I suppose I picked it because it's probably one of the saddest ones. Okay. And um, Was it written at a sad moment in your life? Yeah, a very sad moment. Okay, and um, what was that moment? So I lost the baby, yeah. Okay. Um, in 2007, well, it was, it was, it was, um, it was taken away through no choice of my own, I feel, shall we say. Okay. Um, so yeah, the girlfriend had an abortion and, um, it wasn't my, I didn't have any say and I spent hours on the phone trying to persuade her otherwise and that I would take care of the baby and there would be no problem and I would come over to where she was and I would you know, I'd, I'd, I'd do everything in my power to make it happen. But yeah, she took the choice completely out of my okay. out of my hands. And um, yeah, I suppose it's, it's it, that song is still on my radar because of the referendum and all the arguments that were going on and the nasty, incredible nastiness. You know, mm. and the and the and the 
and uh, although you know it, it just became a women's thing you know um and I was like it's not just a women's thing I had to put my argument up and that this can affect this affects men as well and the choice of choice you know mm. I know it's a women's body and we could go into it for hours and I spent hours arguing with people and um yeah people that I was really friendly with and really good friends that have just disappeared now because of that that whole thing but I still I just I still do the same thing in Stam Corner because I had no choice in that whatsoever mm. um yeah and isn't, so, it, yeah. Is, is, isn't it sad sometimes, Malcolm, that, you know, you spend so much time with somebody and you love the bones of them and then how that can switch? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we, we, it, was, it was okay, everything was okay for three months and we planned it and we were, uh, we were going to go forward with it. And even in the time past, we'd agree that, you know, if it happened, then we would be fine with it. But um, when it came to crunch time, you know, she pretend she she feigned mental illness to um, get her parents on side. You know, they were mm. freaking out. They were freaking out for her, and I and then she and she told me I won't obviously not going to say her name or her. Yeah, of course not. But 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 she she um, we went walking one day where we were in the country that she was in. We went walking, and she told me that she was faking it all just so that just so that she didn't have to have the baby. And I was like, okay. I still didn't think she'd go through with it and then she just uh, yeah phone call just after Christmas yeah it's done and so that song just brings me back there every time and you know I wrote it for him and we have a we have a rosebush planted in my folks garden for him and okay. you know named him and everything and did all the whole nine yards what did you what did you name him Malcolm? Ethan Ethan beautiful name Ethan. yeah so he'd be what would be he'd be 12 or 13 now so yeah wow so that's that, I think that did a lot, of, a lot, a lot, a lot of damage, you know. Um, so that song did it affect you for years and years afterwards, Malcolm? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably still doesn't of to some course. extent, you know. But, yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. At the time, I was just a mess, and you know, I went, I went on the beer, and mom and dad were picking me up off the floor and stuff, and you know, obviously not knowing how to cope with it, and not know what to do and then so I wrote in the process I don't know how I don't know how I did it but I managed to write a song and um and then it got it got put that that song got put on a compilation CD because I was at my folks at the time in Carlingford so that, that song got put on a compilation CD for the Spirit Store because I was I'd played a few gigs there before yeah the Spirit Store in Dundalk put it on a compilation CD and then I went and played the song and for them uh, the singer-songwriter tonight so everyone on the compilation CD played and I like it my dad was there and I got halfway through and I, I couldn't I couldn't get through it I was just you know bawling and dad was in tears and Christ yeah it was pretty horrendous <laughs> pretty horrendous time that was yeah, yeah of course and I suppose like like any horrendous time time is the healer isn't it in a way yeah yeah you never think time's gonna you never think it's gonna get better not at the time, no. No way, but it does. And there's things you can do. Like my folks are great. Yeah. And how do you do? You, do you still play that song, Malcolm? I don't. No. Don't. No. I don't. Because um, it was a it was a moment in time. It's like the choruses, and I wish that my mind would blow, but it won't. And I wish my soul would grow, but it won't. You know, my soul has gone. My mind is not going to blow. Yeah. Um, and the line so for me actually. 
because when I was listening to it before, I I, I didn't know the story behind the song. Um, oh. But there's two there's two particular lines that I thought were gorgeous. And now that you've explained the meaning behind it, it's it, they're even more gorgeous. There's and I think about you every day, and yeah. then the other one is heartbeat sending me to sleep. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heartbeat sending me to sleep because he had a heartbeat. <laughs> he, had yeah. a freaking, he had a freaking heartbeat, you know. And yeah. she sent me the she sent me the ultrasound pictures and everything. I think that was the coolest thing I had. You know, it was like he was actually a, a living. He's a living being. Mm. So that's why, you know, that one during the whole abortion referendum, repeal the eighth debate was going on. You know, I, it was really just messing. It was just like regurgitating a lot of stuff. And of course, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, the, the, the arguments that were coming in, I got just really angry with. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So, I'm going to play it now. This is the final song that you've picked. Uh, for foreplay, this is the Lost Gecko and God's Waiting Room. Come on. 
fitting way to remember Ethan God's waiting room. Beautiful, beautiful song, Malcolm. Um, Thanks, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. Thanks for sharing, yeah. man. That's that's really special. Yeah, no problem, man. That is really, really special. What's in the pipeline for the Lost Gecko in the next twelve months? That is the question. So I started this clothing company. Yes. Um, so I'm focusing on that quite a lot because, um, yeah, not playing gigs, so I've got need something to focus on. Mm. Um, and still the studio. I'm going to the studio on Friday to do some vocals for for um, I, think it's a, I think it's a breakbeat song. Okay. So some interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, somebody asked me to do vocals from Wexford, so. I'm going to do that, and then we've got another single coming out, Hofu Yusiku, that's for Lakela Africa, so um, we're going to release that for them, do a video, um, and then The Smell of Pine comes out um, in a couple of weeks, we'll do a video for that, and uh, there'll be, um, we've got Fluttertone PR sending that out to the Four Corners, which is great. Yeah, they're doing a lot of good work with you right now, aren't they? Yeah, they're great, really great, and they're doing everything they say, and then coming back with some really great stuff, so. Cool. Yeah, really happy. Yeah, I'm happy. You're happy. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I mean, we've been friends, you know, quite a long time, and I've been a fan of the band even longer. So, you know, the fact that I'm friends with the band that I'm a fan of, I'm kind of fangirling all the time that I talk to you and <laughs> listen to your music. But I guess it was also equally special why. I wanted to have you on in the very first episode of Foreplay. So thank you for joining me, man, and thank you Thanks, for mate. thank you for sharing. Yeah, pleasure. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Foreplay. If you're an artist or a band and you're interested in getting in touch, then you can do so in many different ways. You can email me at podcastforeplay at gmail.com on Twitter at podcastforeplay on Facebook at 4Play Music Podcast and on Instagram at 4Play Music Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again and we'll chat soon.